You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Hi, my name's Christine, and if you could actually remain standing for the reading of God's Word, I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. And it reads, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that had been seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Christine. I'm going to pray as we get into this a bit. Join me. God in heaven, we come before you thankful that you have revealed yourself to us as we celebrate epiphany and celebrate your appearing, your revelation. We celebrate what has happened in this story, and we pray that you would illuminate it so that we might see more clearly what you want us to see, that you might change our hearts to become more like you and to worship you and love you more deeply, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we've mentioned, today is Epiphany, and as, as uh, Nick mentioned earlier on in the service, one thing that is often associated with Epiphany is this story of the Magi, the, this story of uh, God appearing to the Gentiles is really what's going on. And so today we're going to look at some of the most surprising elements that are found in this story. And we're just going to do this really briefly because my aim is to get us to a place where we're going to have a number of people sharing from within the church about ways in which they're partnering in ministry on a global scale. Uh, but first, we want to look at this story because there's a lot that is strange about this at first. First off, Persian and Babylonian astrologers don't come to see Jewish kings, right? Uh, they especially don't come to see them and then, and then to worship them. 
But we find in the story of Jesus a lot of surprises, and this is just one of them. And all of these surprises are meant to kind of set us a little bit off kilter. They're meant to make us look a little bit deeper at what lies beneath the surface. Why would pagans care about the birth of Jesus? Why would they travel for upwards of 40 days to come and see them, to, to see him? Why would they give him gifts that were fit for only a king? Why would they worship a baby as God? Now, there are multiple answers to those questions, but we're going to just give one of those answers today. We're going to focus on one, and that is that God's family is worldwide, and so we should embrace the nations. And that might sound like quite a leap from this story, like how are we talking about God's worldwide family and the nations? But you'll see that through the Magi, God is showing that the Jewish Messiah, the Christ, would also save the Gentiles. God was actually foreshadowing what we are still slowly moving toward when a day when his family is truly global. People from, as the book of Revelation says, people from every tongue and tribe and nation. Or as I like to say, people from every culture, class, country, and color, all united under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? But there's tremendous irony in this story here today as well. See, the one who is supposed to be the faithful Jewish king, King Herod, he he was actually put in power by the Roman occupation, not by God. And so, in order to defend his throne, he seeks to kill the rightful heir to David's throne, Jesus. And in the process, he wickedly and heartlessly has dozens of innocent children murdered. But Herod, see, is is just the king of a people who were a lot like him. Herod is essentially the representative of unfaithful Israel, right? And and while Herod is busy representing unfaithful Israel, this other group shows up on the scene to come to what is the representative of faithful Israel. The Magi are people who would have seemed furthest from God. They've come yet great distances. They've risked their own death in order to worship him. And the one that they've come to is the true king of the Jews, the new representative of faithful Israel and ultimately of the faithful people of God. See, the the Magi have recognized something that their actions are pointing us to, that Jesus would in fact become the king of the whole world. Because he is Emmanuel, he is God with us, which is beautiful. But you might be wondering, as I'm trying to help us to quickly digest this story, you might be wondering, what relevance does this have to us? I mean, Jesus was a king in Israel. What what does this have to do with us today? Why do we need this truth today? And the truth I'm referring to is the truth that God's family is worldwide, and so we should embrace the nations. Why do we need that? First reason, we're living in a globalized society, right? 
And, and when we realize that God's plan is to welcome the world into his family, we begin to see our own country and every country then through God's heart. See, we begin to, to see even enemies of our nation differently. We don't buy into the rhetoric that we should despise China, even if we might despise uh, injustices that go on there due to the way that it's run. Because we have more Christian brothers and sisters in China than we even do in America, if you can believe that. And we don't buy into the rhetoric that we should despise Iran, because in the same way, God loves the people there, even if there's injustice going on. And He is proving that He loves the people there right now by making it the fastest growing church in any nation on the globe. Can you believe that? In Iran. So we need this truth today because we are living in a globalized society. We have a, a greater understanding of what is going on across the globe today. And, and we're more interacting with it. Number two, why do we need this truth today? Because we're living in a globalized city. We don't even need to go across the globe to go to the nation. See, 20% of Seattle's population was born outside of the U.S. Can you believe that? 20% was born outside the U.S. That's almost double the average in America, and that doesn't even include the rest of the melting pot, people who are generations in from coming from other nations. And so we celebrate the fact that our neighbors here in, in this fair city and even the members of our church are from all over the world. Amen? We love that. Now, if we want to reach the nations for King Jesus, we can actually start across we don't have to go starting across the globe. We can actually start across the cubicle. We can start across the street, which is an amazing privilege that we have of living in this city. We live in a globalized city. Why else do we need this truth today, though? Because we're living in a post-Christian nation. And, and in the past hundred years, Within the U.S., we've gone from 73% of people being members of churches, if you can believe that, less than 100 years, 73% now down to below 50% for the first time. The majority of Christians are shifting in the West and in the North of the globe. Now, the, the greatest majority of Christians is in the global East and the global South, which is Again, it's, it's just a tremendous transformation. And so what, what does that matter? One is God's plan for his global family. It's happening, friends. The gospel is going to the nations. It's spreading across the globe. It's continuing to happen. Amen? But what that means for us as, as we're living in this post-Christian nation, younger generations in formerly Christian countries like our own, they need to hear the gospel more than any time in the past 1,500 years. And Seattle is obviously no exception, as we have fewer Christians here than most places in this country. And so we need this truth that God's family is worldwide and we should embrace the nations because we are living in a post-Christian nation. And finally, we need this truth because we are living in a divided nation. Of course, I don't need to tell anybody here that that's the case, right? We all know 
But one of the biggest dividing lines that we have as a nation right now is cross-ethnically. It's cross-racially. It's sometimes as hostile and makes sense, right? The results of the tragic history of our nation, centuries of this building up, starting with uh, the, the massacring of native peoples, chattel slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, and, and the story continues on to today. Of course, there is hostile divisions in our country, but our racial divisions are not always overtly hostile. Sometimes, and, and I would say more often, they are very subtle. And that is that we prefer to just stay with those who are like us, don't we? We prefer to stay with those who are like us. Dr. Eddie Coe, when uh, some of you guys know him, I think he's, I don't know, yeah, there he is. He's upstairs right now. He did a um, multi-ethnic ministry workshop in 2022 here, and he began uh, by asking this provocative question. He said, who are the primary influences in your life and in your faith, and who has shaped your cultural views and values? But then he went on to tie that to this question. What ethnic, racial, and cultural backgrounds do they represent? Okay, the point of this question is not to, you know, make us feel guilty about who has influenced us, but really, it's to make us more self-aware about the ways that we intentionally or unintentionally, are racially isolated, that we are only influenced by people who are like us, whether we've chosen that deliberately or not. And the reason why this is an important exercise and it's important to be self-aware in this way is because racial isolation often leads to racial division, even if we don't mean for it to, because we just don't, we simply don't understand people who are not like us. But you see, this story of the Magi, it changes our hearts as Christians because it, it teaches us that them coming to worship Jesus uh, reminds us that God's plan for his kingdom is to spread worldwide. We should want to have a global heart like God has. It reminds us that we are united under the lordship of Jesus Christ, even if we're living in a divided nation, the church is united under Jesus. Amen? And that truth grows our hearts then as the church, even as Trinity specifically, it, it grows our hearts to lay down our comforts, our familiarities, the things that, that we are used to, and even our preferences for the sake of people from every culture, class, country, and color coming, like the Magi, to worship Him. We want to be that kind of a church, don't we, church? And so being more self-aware and asking questions like those that we just looked at can help us to be intentionally avoiding racial isolation, and in turn, it can help us to then avoid racial divisions. But I want to share another way that I think God can grow our hearts for His global mission and His global purposes, and that is to be encouraged with what He is up to, uh, both among us and across the globe. And so I want to invite up four different members of our church 
who are involved in ministries that you guys are probably already familiar with if you've been around here, things that God is doing through them and through our church globally, or who, things that God will do through them uh, both here and globally. And in the process, what they're going to do, and this is why I'm bringing them up, in the process, what they're going to do is they're going to help us to celebrate God's work. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.